now for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I, I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players, the flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to another edition of Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Big show today. We're going to talk to you about rookies that are finally signing with the Raiders. we got big news. Two first-rounders and a second-rounder signed with the Raiders. We'll tell you who, as well as why is the national media ripping the Raiders? We're going to talk about the Bleacher Report article, as well as CBS Sports prediction of the Raiders. We're also going to talk to you about hard knocks. In fact, Q, let's start with that. The Raiders last week were announced as the team that HBO has picked to be on hard knocks. And I was somewhat surprised, if I'm going to be honest, because I thought they would wait a year only because the move to Vegas, you can have them in Reno and then checking the progress of the stadium out down in Vegas and the new facility in Henderson, the headquarters. You can check the progress of that. But then again, when you flip it, the last season in Oakland may be more compelling than the actual move because, quite frankly, there's nothing to do in Reno. They're not going to be in Vegas physically. So it makes more sense to be in the last season of Oakland, to be in the Bay Area, and to really see what this team is about. And quite frankly, I don't think there's more of a team prepared for hard knocks than the Raiders, considering you have Mayock and Gruden, both TV guys. You have a quarterback and a receiver that are much maligned going into this, this offseason and now coming into the season with Carr being uh, the guy that most fans and most pundits think that is in his last year if he doesn't perform well. A.B. with all the drama from Pittsburgh coming over and the social media backlash. And then you have all the rookies coming in and the mixture of guys like Vontez Perfect and Richie Incognito. And you have that aspect of it as well. I think the Raiders are tailor-made for this as much as I didn't want to admit it. And starting in August, we're going to see just what it takes to be a Raider in Mark Davis's words. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it. I was one of those guys that was 100% against it. I didn't want the Raiders to have any parts of being on Hard Knocks in 2019. I just wanted them to go ahead and focus on getting better, being a better team, going out there and getting all these new parts and figuring it out, figuring out how, how each one of these guys work, try to gel in training camp, try to gel in preseason, and then lead up to the regular season when everything matters. But for every reason that you just pointed out is why the Raiders are on Hard Knocks in 2019. It makes all the sense in the world and look there was a shot it would have made sense as well if they didn't uh, go on it in 2019 and waited till 2020 but I mean there's a small shot I mean look there's always a a worst to first team and I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to go out there and be that worst to first team but just so just say that they do happen to go from the bottom of the barrel in the AFC West to all of a sudden somehow squeaking into the playoffs then they can decline it 
they could decline being on uh, Hard Knocks. So that was a, a shot that the the league, the a- HBO, they just didn't want to take that. And, and again, all the reasons that you mentioned, all the storylines, Antonio Brown, Vontez Burfitt, Derek Carr, Richie Incognito, all the rookies that the, the Raiders have, John Gruden in, in, in year two, Mike Mayock in year one as a GM. I mean, again, the storylines about the last year in Oakland. Uh, what do you have to do when you're trying to navigate between two areas? Because, look, you're – you're preparing for a season in Oakland, but at the same time, you're building your crib in Vegas, and so you still have to monitor these kind of things. It's not like you just show up and say, oh, it's done. We're going to show up and walk in and do our thing. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to be navigated, not only with the team, but also the players because they have to prepare for the future as well. So there's so many storylines. It makes all the sense in the world, and I thought it could be a distraction. I mean, and, and who knows? Maybe it is a distraction, but I had a dude text me, man, my, my guy, Brother Marquise in the 305. He's out of Miami. He texted me and said, Q, bottom line, if the Raiders cannot get over the distraction that is the cameras from Hard Knocks, then they're not going to be able to beat Patrick Mahomes. And that's all I needed to hear. Once he said that, I was like, you know what? That's the best point ever. If you can't get over a camera, you're not going to get over number 15. Well, it's funny he says that because over the weekend, the Raiders had a softball game in Summerlin at the new ballpark where the Las Vegas Aviators, the Oakland A AAA team, mm-hmm. uh, is located. And Kalen, who uh, obviously does spitting silver and black with Anaya, Kalen was there and he actually interviewed Josh Jacobs, the only remaining first round pick yet to be signed. And Jacobs said, you know, he was kind of surprised that. They were chosen for hard knocks. And Kalen asked, you know, what are you going to do with your check? And he goes, you know what? The first house I'm going to buy is here in Vegas. I'm actually not going to spend any bit of my signing bonus money and my check money. I'm spending all my endorsement money while I'm in Oakland. Because when I come here, I want to be able to uh, have enough bread so I can buy my first house and kind of live in the area I want to live. And I thought that was wise. And I think, in fact, I know Raiders officials have – talk to players and their families about that, giving them areas to live, giving them, here's a nice area you can live in, here's some areas, here's where this is. And they've actually told their personnel department as well, from people that work in the front office all the way down to people who are coming with them that work on the lower levels of the team. Here's, here's areas we're going to be at. Here's some cool areas for you guys to live that's affordable. And this has been going on for a couple of years now. So it's not as if the Raiders haven't been planning this. So I agree with, with Marquise from that aspect where if, you're, if you can't handle the lights of hard knocks, then how can you not only handle Patrick Mahomes, but how are you going to be able to handle Las Vegas where there are distractions? But I will say the same distractions are in Vegas that you have in L.A., New York, oh, Miami, yeah. New Orleans, Chicago, Philadelphia. Miami. You know, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, Miami. If, if really Miami. Miami and New Orleans in particular. Mm-hmm. So. You still have distractions all over the place. I don't think that's not, that's something the Raiders should worry about too much. But I think the part for me that I'm most interested in seeing is the dynamic between Carr and Gruden and then how that affects the rest of the offense. I want to see how Gruden and Carr interact along with Olsen and – I want to see how Carr interacts with Brown and Williams and the rest of the receivers and the rest of the offense and the offensive line. I want to see how Incognito blends with that offensive line and Tom Cable. Those are the things that intrigue me. 
I don't care about the X's and O's part because really, as someone whose family member was on Hard Knocks, my brother Tyron Brackenridge was on the very first season of Hard Knocks when he was with the Chiefs, came in as an undrafted rookie. He became a star off of the show in Kansas City. He was the one doing the uh, Irish jig with the big afro in the locker room. They followed him to find his first apartment that was overlooking Arrowhead Stadium in the facilities. Um, And there was a lot of good that came with it for him. But at the same time, there was a negative aspect as well. And the story is, was real quick. He went to a club after, one, after the final game of the season with some teammates. And uh, some guys uh, were, you know, basically mad-dogging the whole team and recognized him because one of the guy's girls thought he was cute and recognized him from, from hard knocks. And as he's sitting there at the bar – Guy walks, he's walking over, and he's like, man, these guys look like they're about to fight somebody. I want to see, see who they're going to throw them with. And at the end of the day, they approach him. They get into a fight. Uh, he gets a, they all get escorted out. He goes to his car. The guy walks up behind him, puts a gun to his head, and tells him to get out of his knees. And he told him, no, you got to kill me. And I, I saw my mama. And what ends up happening is the guy stands, up, you know, stands him up, turns around, uh, pistol whips him, and breaks his jaw. Uh, he had to have emergency surgery that night. And uh, thankfully, he's all right. He had a five-and-a-half-year NFL career, another five-and-a-half years in Canada where he won a great cup, and now he's, he's the defensive back coach for the third straight season in Toronto. Um, and, and, but that celebrity came from hard knocks. I wonder who's going to be the guy, who's going to be the Tyron Brackenridge, who's going to be the guy that becomes the star of hard knocks that's not the name you, me, or Raider Nation is accustomed to hearing. Yeah, that's always uh, there's always one. There's always at least one guy that's going to pop up, and, and a lot of the fans are going to fall in love with him. Or there's going to be a guy who pops up, and everyone's going to say, "Oh no, oh no! How did he make the 53 man roster? Remember him in, in Hard Knocks? Remember how terrible he was?" There's always uh, one of those cases, and, and I'm not saying it from experience. I'm just saying it because I've heard, you know, because too too many people have told me that there's always that guy that stands out, or there's that guy that stands out in a negative way. And so uh, we're going to get a very good. Uh, insight in, into what's going on with the Raiders as they're getting along uh, with each other and trying to gel as a, as a unit again, like you mentioned, with Derek Carr and all the new weapons that he has around him. Antonio Brown, this is one of the things I'm interested in seeing, is Antonio Brown and his insane work ethic that he has. Uh, I don't know if you saw that video that the Raiders put out the other day with him mic'd up, but he just oh, yeah. goes hard in the paint when he's practicing. And I love that because if you display that work ethic at the age that he's at, with the accolades he already has, with the skins on the wall that he already has, if he's going out there and busting it like that, that's going to make a young rookie that has absolutely nothing to still, you know, wet behind the ears. He's going to have to go in there and say, oh, well, if A.B.'s doing it, I got to be on my A game. I better do that. Oh, A.B.'s sticking around and getting some extra reps on the jugs machine? Yeah, I better do that too. It's almost a peer pressure type thing that you have to do it because if it's good enough for him and he's been in the league, he's already made it, he's already got a name, he's a top three wide receiver in the league, yeah, if I'm a new dude, if I'm a rookie, if I'm Hunter Renfro, I'm on the jugs with A.B. I'm basically sitting here, I can outlast him, I can outlast him, even if I can't. I got to go out there and do that. So that's that's what I'm excited about. I think his uh, his work ethic that he displays is going to rub off on not only the young dudes, but guys like Tyrell Williams who have been in the league and they have performed, but haven't performed yet at the level that they want to and say, okay, this is how he got here. This is what I'm going to do to do the same thing. I think this is just going to rub off on everyone uh, on this on this roster, really, in general. I'm very excited about the, the moves that they're making. 
correct me if I'm wrong, you've never watched Hard Knocks. Never, ever watched it. I saw like a couple bits and pieces that somebody sent to me off of YouTube, off of Cleveland last year. There was uh, a player that was on the Browns, Corey Coleman, who used to go to Baylor. And so they said, oh, you got to watch this. This is a Baylor guy. You got to check it out. So I, I did for, for ESPN Central Texas. So I knew what I was talking about. Like it's almost a responsibility. But uh, no, I've never paid attention to, to Hard Knocks at all. So as a responsibility, <laughs> as something that I would be irresponsible if I didn't watch, I'll definitely be tuned in to see what they're doing uh, as far as the Raiders go. Well, that would also mean you may be watching yourself since we're going to be at training camp this year. So there's always that side of it, too. There you go. There you go. Well, maybe somebody will see me that's a big timer and say, man, I need to have that dude on, on, on my side. I need to have that dude on my roster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought up Tyrell Williams, and I want to segue into this. Uh, Bleacher Report came out with an article, uh, I believe it was today, an article listed Tyrell Williams as the most overpaid receiver in the NFL. I can see where they're going with this. They're, they're basing a lot of it on potential versus production. He was productive as a number two receiver, uh, even a number three receiver with the Chargers. At the same token, this is a guy that has speed, size, leaping ability, and is the ideal fit opposite of Antonio Brown. You could make the argument, and I know Nick Hamilton did on Twitter today, and you can hear Nick's uh, show with Scott Winter, the Silver and Black Turf, right here on the SB Nation uh, podcast network powered by uh, Silver and Black Pride. I know I screwed that up, but I don't care at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he brought the point that he thinks the Raiders arguably has the most talented and the best wide receiver group in the AFC West. I actually agree with him on that. And for someone that people call the Raider hater, and that's, that's Nick Hamilton, where Nick just gives perspective and, and he doesn't follow us his heart. He gives you, you know, a view from the outside. and He's not going to sugarcoat it. I actually agree with him. There's no better receiver in the AFC West than Antonio Brown. Nope. Uh, there's no better number two receiver in the AFC West than Tyrell Williams. You can maybe make the case for Mike Williams, his former teammate with the Chargers, but you know he again, he, he hasn't proven it. Stay healthy. He hasn't proven it yet. Yeah, exactly. Then you know your number three. You know you're going to have a guy like Hunter Renfro. You still have Ryan Grant. You got Doss. That's that the young rookie who I think is going to make the team and have significant playing time this year. Yeah, I mean you have five five or six guys. You also have Dwayne Harris still that that is one of the best punt returners in the game. And when the ball's in his hand, he's electric. You actually have a very very talented group of receivers for the first time in Derek Carr's career. And this could be a year that his numbers explode because of the group that he has around him. No, I agree with that 100%. Again, uh, A.B. hands down is the best wide receiver in, in the AFC West. I'd say Keenan Allen's probably the number two, you know, the number two wide receiver in the in the division. And, uh, yeah, I look around the, the rest of the, the division, and I don't see better guys than Tyrell Williams. I think this guy is getting an opportunity to, to be able to shine, and I think playing with Antonio Brown is also another factor. That's why I didn't really agree with that article that Bleacher Report put out there. And, look, it's June, so – you're going to see nothing but lists. You're going to see nothing but articles because there are people searching for content right now. There's people that are just searching to, to fill up their quota of what they got to put out there. So when you see an article like that from Bleacher Report, it's like, okay, it is what it is. He's talking about, in this article, he's talking about the, the fact that he's worth a, a is he worth a, a, a cap hit of $10 million in 2019? Probably not. $10 million is not a lot of money. I don't really care who you are. I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, I'll take uh, I- I take Tyrell Williams over uh, over Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is in Kansas City. 
I'm not very impressed by and him. Making sixteen million. Exactly. Sammy Watkins is the most overpaid wide receiver in the history of the NFL. This guy has done nothing, and the Rams and the Bills and now the Chiefs yep. just pay this dude. I don't understand why. I don't either. And so, again, I would take Tyrell Williams, a young dude that's already had a 1,000-yard uh, season under his belt, a guy who can stretch the field, a guy that, again, is going to benefit from Antonio Brown. Look, everyone's going to get rich because of number 84. A.B. is out there, so there's going to be attention put on him. There's going to be other teams that are going to say, we'll take our chances going one-on-one with Tyrell Williams, and he's going to be able to show them that that's probably a bad idea. He's going to open things up for Hunter Renfro. He's going to open things up for whoever's in the slot. Hell, he's going to open things up for Josh Jacobs. I mean, there's so many things at number 84 out there on that island or wherever he lines up. That's the other thing. He can line up all over the field, anywhere in the formation he can line up. He's going to open things up in a major way, and vice versa with Tyrell Williams running cats deep. There's going to be uh, shots over the middle that AB is going to have. There's going to have shots, so you know, from the slot. I mean, there's it's if John Gruden plays his cards right, man. It's it's like some teams will be playing checkers and he could be playing chess, but he has to play his cards right. Absolutely, and that's where I think you're going to see a lot of AB motioned into the slot. Yep. And going one on one against a nickel back or even a dime back in some instances, or a safety, depending on uh, depending on the alignment. If they're, if they're too if they're in 21 personnel, you know, I can see them getting motion where they're twins to the side. And if the corner doesn't come all the way over, the safety comes down, and you're going to win that battle nine times out of ten, maybe ten times out of ten with Antonio Brown. So I, I agree where Williams allows the Raiders to do a lot of everything. And consider this, folks. Williams was their number one target at receiver this offseason before they even traded for Antonio Brown. They already identified that mm-hmm. on their on their free agent board. So they got the guy who they thought was going to be their number one receiver, and then they went and got their number one receiver, and now this guy is their number two receiver. Like That, that to me, is mind-blowing, just the way they attack this offseason again. And you got to give kudos to Mayock and Gruden, especially if it all pans out the way Raider Nation hopes that it does. Um, but can you tell me about a CBS report that came out today? And again, a lot of these are clickbait, but what did the CBS report say today? The CBS report said, and it was really cut and dry, it was basically the Raiders are going to end up being the uh, the worst team in the AFC West. You know, they, they were going to have the worst record again in 2019. And I just don't know if I agree with that, only because I think that the team is much more improved. Now, what I will say is I know that every team is trying to improve. And I know every team in June has a lot of things that they're looking at saying, oh, this looks really nice. And look, the Raiders are depending on a lot of young cats to, to step up and play really well right away. They're also expecting, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of free agents that they brought into jail right away. And, and on top of that, they have a tough schedule. So I can understand. But just to go ahead and throw it out there just so easily, just, oh, they're going to be the worst team in the AFC West. I feel like that's a throwaway comment. You know, I mean, come, come with some real concrete reasons why they're going to be so bad, especially when you look at the rest of the division. That's the thing. It's like you could say that the Raiders are going to be bad, but what what are you what, why are you telling me that the Broncos are going to be so much better? Well, you know, I think that the Chargers and, and the the uh, Chiefs had the opportunity to probably be the best two teams in the in the division, but I still think that the Raiders and, and the Broncos will have a puncher's chance with with the the division as well, especially if they get off to a hot start. Did Lock and Four write it? Uh probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, so if he, if he did, I mean, I'd be. We got to find that out because we can consider the source then. But, right. Um, I, I think this. Mahomes ha- is not going to throw for five grand and fifty tuggies. Like that's not going to happen this year. 
not with Tyreek Hill not certain to play, not with uh, the running back in Cleveland now, um, not with the defense not being the same group of guys, and your number one target is going to be Sammy Watkins, and the guy in the slot is going to be an unproven rookie from Georgia who wasn't even the number one or two receiver for the Bulldogs last year. Uh, in terms of, of the Chargers, man, their defense is so damn good. Like, honestly, that, that is the best defense in the division. Is Rivers going to have the type of year he had last year, or when is Father Time in the injury bug going to catch up to Phillip Rivers? Right. Uh, can Melvin Gordon stay healthy? The tight end position to me is, is one that I feel they could use some good luck with if you're a Charger fan because I'm not sure. You know, there's an injury, there's an injury epidemic at the tight end position for them, and then receiver wise, they're not as deep as what they once were. That offensive line has to, to hold up. Uh, so the Chargers, I think, are still the class of the division. To be honest with you, but then Denver, I don't see it. They're already right. they're already going to be pushing for the young kid to be you know the quarterback now versus the future. Flacco's not going to have that. Uh, Cortland Sutton and who at wide receiver? You got Noah Fant, uh, but again, he's got to prove it at the NFL level. Can he withstand the pounding? And there's a lot of losses on that defense. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure if Denver is that team that pe- that I'm high on. I think the Raiders could compete for that number two spot in the division if all things you know uh, fall into place. I know our email question that we're going to answer today asked specifically what we think the Raiders' win total will be, which I think is difficult to predict in June. Yeah, it but is. at the same time, we can, we can kind of discuss like a roundabout area. Uh, I, I don't think the Raiders are the worst team in the AFC West at all. In fact, I think the Raiders are a team that's going to surprise a lot of people. I think they're going to win some games they shouldn't win, and I think they're going to lose a game or two that they shouldn't lose, but you expect that with the young team. Right, exactly. Like that with a team full of rookies. Exactly right. The uh, author of the the piece was Will Brinson, and uh, he he basically said that the Raiders will have five wins in in twenty nineteen, which is only a one game improvement. But he thinks that the Broncos will have more than seven wins, and I don't see that. That's what I really have a problem with. I don't what? see. Yeah, I don't see over seven wins for the Broncos. I mean, basically, you're saying the Broncos are going to go eight and eight. I'm not buying that. Okay, I just got back from Vegas, <laughs> and. I really didn't party, but whatever he's smoking, he needs to patent that, send it to Vegas, and sell that stuff right there in East Las Vegas or the Southeast Las Vegas down by Trop and Boulder and make a million dollars because whatever the hell he's smoking, it's some good shit. Yeah, no, it it really is, man. That that's a that's a tough one for me to uh to swallow right there, man. A tough pill for me to swallow. I'll tell you, I feel like the Raiders. I I can say this with confidence, and not just because I'm a Raider fan, but just me being straight up honest about it. I feel like the Raiders are the most improved team in the division. I mean, I really do. I think yes. top to bottom, they have the they've improved the roster in a major way, and they have a lot more talent than they had in 2018. Again, all these other teams that already had talent, they're going to continue to try to tweak their roster and improve it as well with draft, free agency, and you know, obviously they're going to uh, get out the get the the best 53 players they can get out of training camp and you know preseason and stuff like that. So there's going to be a lot of work that all the teams are going to put in. But for a team that's made so much improvements, it's hard for me to just to dismiss them and say, oh, they're just going to they're just going to win five games in 2019. Look, I got to let this thing play out. I mean, there's there's a way that it could happen 
point where they could be really bad because they do have a tough schedule and maybe they get off to a slow start and you know that you know how that thing can snowball man uh uh, winning is habitual and, and, and is habit forming, but so is losing. So, I mean, I, I can see where it could happen, but it's just so hard for me just to go ahead and dismiss them and say, oh, they're going to stink in 2019. And we're talking about June. Yeah. And, and the thing is, and it just dawned on me when you said winning is habitual and so is losing. This is where I'm going to tie the, the first two topics of the show together. We'll see it on hard knocks. And for people's perception of the Raiders, Every player that has left the Raiders since John Gruden has taken over has said they're building it the right way, and that building has changed from what it once was. Any player it's to true. a man that's been there for more than a couple years, that has been there with Del Rio or Allen, they flat out said that they're building it the right way, that they're going to turn this thing around. That speaks volumes when you have players in the building that are leaving the building saying that. And you got players like Marquette King basically begging to come back. Yeah, yeah, he is. Not, be, not, not because he's out of a job, because he, he sees it. Players talk. And I've talked to some players. I talked to a player on another NFL team over the offseason while he was training. And... During the conversation, he's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to be back with said team because, you know, I don't have the opportunity to get on the field as a receiver versus me doing what I do on special teams. But a place I would love to play at because I'm hearing that it's like it's the coaching staff is good, the, the organization is being around right, they're building something special, is with the Raiders, and they're going to be in Vegas, and that's close to home. I definitely want to, like, they're on my list. That's where I want to be at. This is from a guy in the NFL who's had a pretty good career, a pretty high pick, you know, a day, early day three pick. So, you know, he's taken early in the fourth round. This is what this guy said. And I sat back and was like, I found that interesting. Like, hmm, okay. Like, I, I, I found, and he doesn't play with a scrub quarterback either. <laughs> he plays with one of the best. And I was kind of taken back by that. Like, wow, what is, like, really, you said that, huh? Okay. And so I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on what he does because he's a guy that could push for someone else's job next year if, if that's a good fit. Um, but players around the league talk. Right. And that's, that's, that's the, the words that they have is, hey, look, you know, Raiders are doing it the right way right now. This is, this is the spot that we really need to be at. And I can't blame them um, in part because – of what's being said, but Q, I just I told you a minute ago I was in Vegas for doing some business for like a week and a half. I went back home and now I'm back on the road. So one of the days that I had all my meetings in the evening, I went down to uh, the Raider store where you get the Raider uh, Stadium preview store. Oh yeah, yeah. The, uh, the welcome is it the welcome store or whatever? It is the preview. The, yeah, the welcome. Yeah, it's the preview store. I forget what it's called. Yeah, it's, but. Basically, it's for the people that buy season tickets or right. have season tickets. They can go in there, and they like they take you in a special room. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so you you can come in there, and they have Super Bowl rings, and they have a touch screen like you see on ESPN mm-hmm. or Fox or whatever. You can move around and see the stadium, how it's being built, and you they have uh, the uh, helmets for Hispanic Heritage Raider helmets. And all, it's really cool. They have all kinds of – like when you come to Vegas for the AAU tournament, 
uh, we definitely need to go. You and I need to go in there. Oh, it's awesome. So I went, I, I went there last summer. It was awesome. Okay, did you go? Did they, Okay, so when I walked in there, I didn't get helped right away. I kind of walked around, and I went to the late the front desk, and I said, hey, you know, I'm Joe Arrigo. Um, you know, I broke the story for them coming here. Uh, you know, I, I'm with the media. I told her what, you know, I'll do the, and run the Expedition Raider Podcast Network, do stuff with um, my, other, my other entities that I work with. And she gets on message with her messenger. She's messaging her messenger. And uh, she goes, oh, yes, you're on the list that whatever you want to see for me to go ahead and give you a personal tour. Nice. I say, cool. So I go into the back, and the first room they take me into the back is where they have the model of the stadium. Right. And that thing is badass. Okay, first of all, I have pictures. I'm going I'm to put them up uh, probably uh, – I put them up on Twitter uh, when I when I put out the podcast. When the guys download, you probably see the pictures already. Mm-hmm. I'll text you them, Q. So the model is really cool, and uh, there's 2,500 parking spots around the stadium, and the Raiders have actually bought out just so you, everybody knows um, a, a variety of of businesses around the area. They're going to turn into uh, parking lots. So you can park there. Right. And there will be a tram that will take them. And then uh, Elon Musk at the Las Vegas Convention Center just announced that he's going to build an underground tram that will take you from the Las Vegas Convention Center all the way to Mandalay Bay and you can take the air bridge across. Nice. And you'll get there in five minutes, which is amazing. But that's not what, that's not what I'm, t- I'm about to tell you guys. I actually have some exclusive news that they didn't tell me there. I got from another person, a big-time source of mine, uh, involved with the Raiders in the stadium. First thing is this. What I did learn there is they have these new seats in between the owner's boxes because you can buy an owner's box for $10 million with a $500,000 yearly fee. Uh, and that's the same box Mark Davis will have and other people that want to spend this money for the owner's boxes. And they're all, I think they're all sold out already. And then you have the regular luxury boxes that are like two rows beneath it. But in the middle, in the separation, is this new thing called the luge. The luge is the same seats, the bucket seats, and from in the owner's boxes that you have there in this open air with, you know, a, a beer holder or a soda holder. And then beneath it, you have LCD screens, so you have the NFL Network and Red Zone or whatever games you want playing, Sunday Ticket and Red Zone, on in front of you while you watch the game. Okay. Literally right in front of you. Right. And I didn't get I didn't get the price for those. <laughs> I wouldn't I either. Out, what, <laughs> I would love that that right there interests me more than a luxury box to be honest with you, because I can I can go to a game if I'm not covering it. Watch, let's say Green Bay's playing, and I want to watch my squad play. I can watch the game there while watching the Raider game. I'm in heaven. Right. Okay. Um, the other thing is, I was told. Now you remember how they said they're adding a club seats behind. Uh, uh, one of the end zones? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what I was told, and I don't know if this hasn't been reported yet, that's actually going to be a pool day club during games. <sighs> that'd be, man, that'd be disgusting, it, and I mean disgusting in a good way. Yes, that is the, it's the first of its kind that behind there is going to be basically a day club where I don't know if the DJ is going to be playing or not because I'm gonna be obviously distracting the game, but you'll have a pool with seats, it's going to be basically a, a day club. 
while the while the games are being played on Sundays, and I also wonder if they're going to keep that there for UNLV when they play uh, their games as well. And then the Las Vegas will obviously will probably be there too. So that to me was mind blowing. A day club at an NFL stadium while a game is playing, bikinis, pool, football, liquor. Doesn't get better than that. That's a that's a that's a bachelor's dream. Yeah, it is. That's a party waiting to happen, man. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a hell of an event. Uh, I know that there's baseball stadiums. I think it's what Tropicana up in uh, in Miami that has the the pool out there that people are chilling out there watching the games and everything. And yeah, man, that'd be Arizona. awesome. Yeah, yeah, Arizona. That's right. That would be awesome. That would be absolutely amazing to have that out there in Vegas. That that would be a ton of fun, and uh, it, it might be a little distracting if you're trying to cover the game and actually watch it professionally. As, I mean, not professionally, but as a professional, where you're not really having all that fun. It, I might kind of wander off from you know the press box or wherever I'm at to uh, where the party's at because that's just who I am, brother. The person who told me this, uh, tongue in cheek, said I told the Raiders that they can cancel my box and my seats. And I'll just, <laughs> just give me a pass so I can be in there every, every game. Right. And started to laugh. And I said, well, being that, you know, I have to cover the games. I have to cover it from different angles. That may be an angle I cover it from, right. from the day pool, mm-hmm. you know? So that is something that I'm, I'm interested in seeing. I mean, it's, it's about a year away from being completed. And from what I've been told, uh, I actually spoke to Tommy White from uh, 872 Labors not too long ago. Uh, Tommy assured me, and Tommy has never told me uh, uh, non-truth, that it will be completed on time, uh, on, which I believe is uh, July 31st, 2020. Yep. So this is June 18th as we record this. So just about a year in, just about a year in, in a couple weeks away from it being completed, and driving by it, man, that thing was is getting thrown up. In fact, I was there um, the same day Mark Davis and Roger Goodell were on site. Uh, Mark was giving Roger the the tour of the stadium, getting them all up to date. And that was the day before they announced the Raiders are going on hard knocks. That's awesome. That, that really is cool, man. That's going to be uh, really a lot of fun. Anticipation is high. Uh, I've been kind of keeping tracks on the stadium and, and uh, the whereabouts and how's things going as well. Uh, I've checked in a couple times with Mick Akers from the Las Vegas Review Journal, and you know he's kind of kept me up to date on what's going on. And uh, you know, a little little hiccup here, a little hiccup there, but nothing to be too upset or too worried about. Nothing that's going to delay him too much. Just you know, you know how things go. Every once in a while, there's a there's a little small defect and it has to be sent back or whatever. So there's a couple things have happened here and there, but nothing to be alarmed about. And, and like you said, it's right on track to open up on time. July 31st, 2020 is the official date. It's supposed to be ready by, and I, I have no doubt that it's going to get done. The ones that are constructing it, the the group that's constructing it, have never missed their their opening date. Of course, that's according to them, but that's that's what I'm hearing. So that's that's all good. Well, yeah, and I want to point out a couple of things. One, I guess a, I think they're called a tris. Uh, it came down yesterday. They got yeah. it back up today. Yeah. Um, so that's not a that's not an issue. Everything is still uh, moving forward on time. And just keep in mind, folks, that the stadium in Los Angeles, I uh, had a weather issue that pushed it back a year. Yep. Okay. So that's this isn't happening in Vegas. And secondly, I want to point this out about the owner's boxes, and I know people are going to kind of scoff at the price. $10 million. What do you mean $10 million? Who's going to pay $10 million for an owner's box? They're crazy. Well, that $10 million 
secures you for every event at the stadium. A Super Bowl, concerts, uh, basketball games, football, uh, college football games, other NFL games. Whatever event is happening at the Las Vegas Stadium, that is your box. It's ten million bucks. That's 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 the fee. That's what you pay, and then it's five hundred thousand dollars a year after the first year. So, I don't I don't think that's pretty much. If you're going to work that out, if you got an extra ten million sitting around, well, one, I, I got a business you can invest in, and it's right. going to make you a lot of money. Uh, two, why not? If you can get an owner's box that was going to be the crown jewel of the strip, maybe even the NFL, arguably, when it comes to the new stadiums. So that is, to me, pretty big news when it comes to the stadium. And we don't really talk about the stadium a lot on Q&A for whatever reason, but I think that it's imperative that I put, we put out this information that, that we brought to the table today because – um, I didn't even tell you about that stuff. Actually, when we were going through a uh, pre-show, like I didn't even, didn't even tell you about that. Nah, man, you just sprung it on me, and that's okay. I mean, that's the kind of stories that are, are are good to get the spontaneous and the the instant reaction to. So I'm okay with that. That'll that'll work. And again, that's pretty exciting, man. And I think that stadium is going to be awesome. I really can't wait. Uh, I've said it many times as a Bay Area dude. I feel terrible for the city of Oakland. I feel terrible for the Bay. They're losing their team twice, but at the same time, the stadium needed to be uh, redone, needed to be improved, and needed to be. Uh, got done done away with and, and get and replaced and well is it happening in vegas and it's going to be awesome and the raiders deserve it and what other team what better team to be in las vegas than the raiders i'm okay with that yeah i mean personally you know i do beyond what some people think and i i seen a, <laughs> a reddit post i seen a reddit post that said oh i i uh i talk head about oakland and whatever actually i don't i actually think and i've said from the beginning that the raiders need to stay in Oakland. I've said that. But provided they get a new stadium. Right. If they couldn't get a new stadium done and couldn't work with the city, couldn't work with them, and they couldn't work with the city, then, yes, I, Vegas is the only other spot I can see them in because they're never going to get L.A. The NFL will never let them back in L.A. So I feel horrible for the city of Oakland, the fans of the Raiders that are in, live in the city of Oakland. But for the actual diplomats, and for the people that are trying to make a buck off of this, I feel nothing at all towards them. And I don't feel any hate. I don't feel any love. It's, right. Yeah, I'm indifferent. Because at the end of the day, this is big business. And the Raiders were playing in one of the worst stadiums in all of NFL. I mean, it, it is the worst stadium It's the worst the one. NFL. Yeah, it's not even close. And now they're going to be playing in one of the best, if not the best. And now the worst stadium goes to Buffalo, who they may be at risk of losing their team right. if they don't get a new stadium done. Plus, plus on, so top, on top of that, moving pieces. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut huh? you off, but on, on top of that, no, it's, it's uh, you know, with the new stadium, that means the Super Bowl is going to come. That means, well, the draft is already coming in 2020. I mean, there's a lot of money that's going to be made and poured into the city and it's also going to help increase the value of the team it's gonna you know and i know a lot of people don't care about what mark davis's pocketbooks look like but at the same time it puts him in that club that he's not in because now he has this bright new shiny thing that well everyone else in the league is getting and so you have to do that yeah as the ownership as a team you have to continue to and, and i'm not trying to say this for the about the cow
Cowboys, but you got to keep up with the Joneses. I mean, that's just what you have to do. You have to continue to improve everything as you're a franchise in the league. And so, yeah, I mean, there's so many things. The, the Raiders Stadium is going to host a Super Bowl. I mean, that is a reality. That's going to happen the minute it's available. I mean, there's already they're already listed through so many years. But as soon as there's they get that first shot, it's going to be in Vegas. And it's not it's not even a, it's not it's a no brainer. It's a no question. I think it's 2024. If that's the, the next open year, the Raiders have that already locked in. Right. I think it goes Tampa, then it goes Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I think it's New Orleans or Miami again, and then it's I think then it's Las Vegas. So it's it's around 2023, 2024, around around that time. Uh, one of those one of those Super Bowls. But Q. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about transactions. And I'm not talking about the Lakers trading for Anthony Davis. I'm not talking about Kyrie going to the net, possibly, or Kawhi coming to the Clippers or maybe staying in Toronto. I'm talking Raider transactions. Coming up next on Q&A right here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast. Now, we're powered by SB Nation. Q, uh, you did some digging uh, while we took the break, and 2025 is the next available Super Bowl, correct? Yeah, 2025, because 2020, the next Super Bowl, is in South Florida at the Hard Rock Stadium. That'll be Super Bowl 54. 2021, it's going to be in Tampa, so it's still in the state of Florida at uh, Raymond James Stadium. That'll be Super Bowl 55. 2022 goes to the state of California, Los Angeles, LA Stadium, Super Bowl 56. And then 2023, I'm not real fond of this one, but Glendale, University of Phoenix Stadium, Super Bowl 57. And 2024 is one of my favorites, New Orleans, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, Super Bowl 58. I'm all, I'm all for it being in New Orleans. I'm good for that. So 2025, that'll obviously be Super Bowl 59. That's when it'll be in Los Vegas. Yeah, man, I, I'm looking forward to 2025, big time. But New Orleans, we're talking about transactions. Now, what did you think about? Oh, wait, no, I'm talking about Raider transactions, not NBA transactions. That's <laughs> taking up everybody's world. Hey, man, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still kind of struggling with my Warriors taking the L. So, uh, yeah, let's not, let's not talk NBA right now. Oh, wait, no, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. KD should never have came back. No. Everybody knew yeah. from the way he grabbed it, it was an Achilles. Right. And I think the Warriors are culpable with, with no. that. And I know he wanted to come back, but you have to look out for his best interest. You're supposed every to. every player wants to play. Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to. But everyone, every single player, and, and me and you, if we had the opportunity, we'd have been out there playing with our with our guys too, trying to get it done. Look, I played, I played hoops on a torn ACL, and I – Tore it more, but I mean, once it was torn, it was torn. So I went out there and played, knowing damn well the doctor said don't do it. But it's just one of those bro, things, I ain't man. Gonna lie. You did it. You know you did it. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. I ain't gonna lie, bro. My my free agent. If I'm entering my free agent year, and they say I got a, a partial tear in that Achilles, I'm shutting it down. I got too much money to lose, man. Too he, much money to lose. He's I'm still, sorry. He's hey, still gonna get his you bread. Have a minimal. No, that's very true. He's still gonna get his, but. Athletes have a minimal amount of time True. to make the maximum amount of money. This was the opportunity for him to make the absolute maximum amount of money he's ever going to make in his life off a contract. And I'm sorry, I don't think he's going to get as much as he thought he was. I think Brooklyn's going to sign him. I think he's going to go with Kyrie to Brooklyn. 
I don't think he stays in the Bay. I think Brooklyn's going to take this year as a rest year for him, and, and that's that. And then with losing Clay, that sucked. But, bro, at the end of the day, the end of the day, the Raptors just wanted it more. They, well, they were, played harder. They were the better team, bottom line. Overall, yes, overall. So I want to give props, though, and I'm not, again, here they're going to say Joe's dumping on the city of Oakland again. I'm not doing that. But I'm going to give props to my dude, Cuffs the Legend, best follow on Twitter. His Twitter handle up until this year was 73-9, and nine and they lied. Okay? He changed it to five all-stars, and they lied. This is the same guy who broke LeBron to L.A., who broke A.D. to L.A. with Kuzma staying in L.A. weeks before anybody else even had it. And he loves to do something called Feed the Wolves. I'm telling you, Q, and everybody listening, go follow Cuffs the Legend on Twitter. You'll thank me later. I promise you, especially if you love basketball. I know we're not, we're not we're, this is a Raiders podcast, but I got to get that out. So I'm not going to talk about that. I'm excited, too, because my Lakers got Anthony Davis in the fold, and I love it. I, I'm a diehard Laker fan. So um, you can't tell me nothing right now. I'm worse than Kerry Champion. I'll talk <laughs> about it every day. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. But, but let's talk about Raiders transactions. They had three of them today. Uh, Cleveland Farrell and John Abrams uh, signed their rookie deals. Those are uh, four-year deals with a fifth-year option. And Mr. Mullen, uh, he signed his deal, their second-round pick. Uh, that's a four-year deal. That leaves Josh Jacobs as um, the lone first-round pick for the Raiders has yet to sign. That's going to happen very soon, uh, maybe even today on the 18th or sometime early or, uh, this week, 19th or 20th maybe. Um, but I think it's great that the Raiders got them, you know, and it's really simple now to sign players, except for, the, uh, I believe, the third or the fourth-round guys. That's where it gets tricky, believe it or not, because there's offset language in the deals. Right. That make that's that's why guys kind of uh, end up getting uh, kind of they, they sign a little bit later. I know there's been a few guys that that have signed later, but the Raiders have done a really good job. Uh, Tom Delaney, uh, Danny uh, Ventrelli do a great job great job of getting guys locked up and with deals that that really work for them. So I think it's it's huge that the guys are in there. And and I will say this. From everything that I've heard, everything that I've got from people in and around the team that work with the team, um, Cleveland Farrell and John Abram have brought some juice and leadership to that locker room. They act like they're veterans. They don't act like they're wide-eyed rookies. They're coming in holding veterans accountable, and it's really refreshing to hear from a locker room that a lot of times in the past you didn't hear that from. Right. Yeah. No, the thing about it is, it's funny, man, talking about Farrell, is, that's one of the things Mike Mayock said about him is that when they were doing the research on him and deciding if he was going to be their guy, even though a lot of people were upset about it, and I was even shocked when they took him at number four, they, he said that one of the main things was every single player to a T on that Clemson team said, yeah, this is a great player, yeah, that's a great player, yeah, he's a great player, but the leader of all of them is that guy over there, number 99, which was Cleveland Farrell. That was the guy who they all identified as, as the leader of the pack. He's the one that makes us go. He's the one that makes sure that everything is is in line. He, he's the leader. So not surprising to hear that all of a sudden he's already showing that leadership skill in the locker room, even though he is a rookie. And Jonathan Abram, I mean, when you look at that dude and you listen to that dude, I mean, he walks like a Raider. He talks like a Raider. He plays like a Raider. 
Well, he is a Raider. You know, I mean, he's just one of those guys that there's certain dudes that fit that mold. And, and I always say that Raider fans and Raider players, certain Raider players and even coaches, even John Gruden, it, they're, they're cut from a different kind of cloth. You're just a different dude if you're a Raider. Uh, I, I feel personally like I'm a different dude. As a Raider fan, I feel like I'm just different than your average fan. You know, your average fan is, is, a, is a football fan. But I feel like Raider fans are just cut from different cloths. Jonathan Abram is cut from that mold. He is what Mark Davis said that you're going to learn about on Hard Knocks, what a Raider is. That is Jonathan Abram. So, again, not surprised about either one of those guys taking leadership roles already early in their career. And I think it's big that Mullen signed in, in, in there. I th- really oh, yeah. think that he's a guy that, at the end of the day, can come in, um, make an impact uh, early on and compete for some, some major minutes. And that secondary is absolutely loaded. You know, honestly, you know, I, I just think that they're in a place now. Um, I think they're in a place now um, that they're they have a position of strength in the secondary. He's the type of guy that, with what he brings as far as his physicality, his intangibles, the way he's built, um, that's the type of guy they want to have as the prototypes going forward, and for them to be able to to get him locked in and that's and that's again that's early you know considering camp is around the corner the last camp in Napa this is this is a guy that they definitely want to get as many reps as possible to get him on the field unlike Jacobs who they kind of want to limit the reps because I think they're going to rely a lot more on him as the season goes on yeah, he's going to be a guy who's going to get a lot of early burn. But going back to Mullen, man, that's a guy who's going to push Daryl Worley for playing time. I mean, he really is. You know, Worley is a is a heck of a player. And in 2018, he had his moments where he shined, and he had his moments where he wasn't so good. Well, Mullen, I mean, the only thing he did is go his whole college career without giving up a touchdown. His whole collegiate career, he went without giving up a touchdown and limited everyone to about 60% passer rating, 60.1, I believe, passer rating when they were throwing his direction. So, uh, again, I'm not saying that that's going to translate to the NFL and he's going to be a shutdown dude immediately, but he has the potential. He has the ability. And so if he can get in there, like you mentioned, early, get a lot of reps, which obviously he's going to because training camp is not till July, later July, and it's uh, mid-June, a little bit after mid-June, and he's already signed. So he's going to be there locked and loaded when it's time to get everything started. And those early reps in training camp, those early reps in preseason, he's a guy who you'll see get some preseason burn. You'll see him out there when you won't see a guy like Gary on Conley out there getting too much prey, uh, a burn. You'll, you'll see the young cats. So, yeah, man, he, he's a guy to get excited about, and, and he's a guy that you hope his game can translate from the collegiate level to the NFL level because if he can, he could be a real steal, especially getting him in the second round. He's, he's a guy I'm very high on. I want to see how he does, and uh, if he does step up and be that guy, you know, be that kind of player that – uh, the Raiders are expecting him and wanting him to be. Man, you got a couple sh- uh, shutdown corners that could really, really do do some big things for for some years to come. Absolutely, and, and in today's NFL, that's what you need. But somebody else in the secondary that has gotten a lot of praise from the Raiders recently is Carl Joseph. Mm-hmm. He's another guy that's taken a leadership role, and they really like what he's done this off season, what he's doing in the off season program. And Joseph had one of the best quotes that I've heard from any player in a long time. I love when players say this. He said, the contract situation will take care of itself. I'm not even worried about it. Like, this dude is so locked in on playing. I think it's going to be a big-time season for him. I think he's about to really show out this season. And I think him and Abram 
will end up playing next to each other, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a really nice duo for the Raiders. I don't know. You know, I think Abram's going to play a little more free, and then you'll have, you know, uh, Joseph in the box where you can flip him. And then you also have Joyner. Again, we talked about Mulling, Conley, uh, Worley. Worley. Yep. You have Nick Nelson. Yep. You turn around. You have uh, Keyshawn Nixon, the undrafted rookie. Plus, you have the fourth round pick out of Houston, who they really like. Johnson, so Isaiah Johnson. You got a yeah Johnson. So you have a bunch of guys out there that can really go out there and do different things. And right now, Carl Joseph is taking a, a big time leadership role. And you have to feel good about that, considering they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah, no, he's taking a real pros uh, approach to it, man. He really is. He's just worrying about the year that's ahead of him, and and will worry about the contract when that time comes. But yeah, I mean, he's hosting the he's hosting the rookies over to his house to you know kind of uh, get to know them and, and also kind of show them the ropes of the NFL. And you know, for a guy who didn't get his fifth-year option picked up, like you said, he could be salty. He could act salty and, and tell Jonathan Abram, "No, I'm not going to show you no love. No, I'm not going to invite you over to the house. I don't. No, you're coming to try to." Take my job instead. Hey, no, hey, you know my my doors are open, man. Come on in and let's uh, you know, let's get together and let's let's work together and figure out how we can get this thing right. And, and I think that you're right when you say that those two could be on the field at the same time. Uh, one thing I, I like that Jonathan Abrams said last week uh, on the final day or the second to final day of OTAs. You know, the, the Raiders don't define a free and a strong safety. They just you better know how to play both both positions and you're going to go out there. You know, one, one day you're going to line up as the free, the next day you're going to line up as strong. It doesn't matter. They don't identify that. Those guys can get on the field at the same time and do their thing, and then LaMarcus Joyner drops down into the slot where I expect to see him play pretty much the majority of the time will be in the slot, and that's a you know that's going to be a good thing. So they have a lot more, and something I mentioned early in the show, they have a lot more talent in 2019, headed into training camp in 2019, than they ever thought about having in 2018. So that's a reason to be very positive if you're a Raider fan, and also a reason to think that there's a good chance that they're not the bottom dwellers of the AFC West, that they go up and they do shock a couple teams and, and win some games that nobody expected them to win, like you mentioned earlier in the show. What do you think about them going to Canada and playing in Winnipeg? The in the third for the third preseason game. I don't even care. I mean, I you know I don't even care. I know there's some uh you know some Raider fans in Canada that are, are pumped up about it, but since it's a preseason game, I'm not really worried about it. If you think about it, man, they're playing in three countries in 2019. They're actually playing in three countries. They're obviously playing in the USA. They're playing in Canada and they're playing overseas in London. So that's that's pretty that's pretty crazy. But since it's the preseason game, not really worried about it. It is the third preseason game, so you get to see a little bit more of the team, but. Whatever you know, it is what it is. They weren't gonna pay, play. They weren't gonna pay the city of Oakland more money than they had to. They're already paying for seven home games in in 2019, and they're playing for one uh one preseason game, and the other preseason game is up in Canada. So uh, they were gonna get out of there with the least amount of money spent, given all the circumstances that are going on. Uh, I'm just glad that for the majority of the 2019 season, the home games will be at the Oakland Coliseum, outside of the one that's gonna be played in London. I was kind of disappointed that the game wasn't going to be played in Saskatchewan if it was going to be played in Canada or Toronto. I think both places, you know, Toronto, Toronto selfishly, I would go and I'd go see my brother because I plan on going up there uh, sometime in August and spend, spending a, a, a week or so with my brother up there uh, during his season. I haven't got a chance to do that since he's been a coach. But Saskatchewan is a very passionate football town. Uh, Mosaic Stadium, I know well. My brother played there. Uh, in fact, when they opened it up, uh, he won the Grey Cup for the Riders there that year. They opened up the stadium. 
and it is a phenomenal stadium. It's beautiful. Um, but Canadian stadiums are a little bit different than American football stadiums. Uh, but overall, I thought I thought it was going to Saskatchewan. In fact, uh, there was a, um, a big-time reporter up there that covered the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, Rod, uh, I forget his last name, um, gets my, my brain right now. But Rod was saying how he heard it was coming up there. So I checked with the Raiders. And they're like, no, nothing's for certain. We can't comment right now. And I thought, oh, okay, it's happening because they're not going to comment. They never comment on stuff like that. But it ended up not happening. They couldn't get it lined up with the rider season. But overall, I don't mind it as well. It's a preseason game. Preseason games are for teams to make money, for coaches to evaluate guys who they are unsure that's going to be on the roster. And it's to kind of like give the fans like their first hit of a drug. Like if you're a drug addict, you know, and you don't do drugs for a while, that first time you get that little bit and you're like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, give me some more, give me some more. And you're like, pookie with crack, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's calling me. And then all of a sudden NFL season's here, and then you got quick cold turkey after the Super Bowl. That's what the preseason is to me. Um, I only look for one thing, who didn't get hurt. Right. Because I, I, that's the only thing I care about is, what guy gets hurt? Because you're always going to have three or four guys, uh, you know, throughout the NFL that's going to go down and win the preseason and miss the entire season. So that is um, that's what I look for. But the playing Winnipeg with the blue with the Blue Bombers play, uh, I'm indifferent on it. I really don't care, you know. And I agree they they're not they're not going to give the city of Oakland any more money than what they have to. Quite frankly, I don't blame you. You sue me, we're going to see you the very minimal amount of time. Right, exactly. You know. <laughs> so, with that being said, let's get to uh, the final segment of the show this week, and that is our Q&A question. Um, that's coming from Sean Siegel down in Vegas. Sean says, hey, fellas, what's the win, uh, win-loss total we would define as a successful season for the Raiders in 2019. He says 8-8 because it's a four-game improvement from his 2018 total to, to 2019. He also doesn't believe 10 wins is realistic because of how young the defense is and how tough the schedule is in 2019. He wants to know what we think. Q, you go ahead and go first. Well, that's a good question, man. It's a really good question. It's something that a lot of people have been wondering, a lot of people have been asking, and, and you know, you have to take into uh, consideration a lot of things. And, you know, uh, uh, Sean, he, he he brought that up. Uh, he, you know, he, he said the, the schedule. He said the young guys on defense. You know, obviously, you have to wonder how that offense is going to gel. And, and again, it's just... You know, you're going to be away from the Coliseum for a long time. You're going overseas to London. And it's funny, man, I was calling it adversity, like having to deal with adversity. And someone not checked me, but just said, well, you know, it's more it's more of a challenge than it is adversity. And I said, OK, well, that's fair. I'll use that word. So they have a lot of challenges. So that I, I say all that to tell you that I'm going to start using the word challenges. They have a lot of challenges for 2019 to get to where they want to be. You know, again, I, I just said a little while ago, they're probably the most improved team in the AFC West. But Again, with these challenges that they have in front of them, it's going to be difficult. You know, they start out the season with Denver and then Kansas City back-to-back at the house. If you can get off to a 2-0 start, you can have something going. You could be cooking with grease if you get off to a 2-0 start. If you go, start out 1-1, one one, okay, you still have an opportunity, but now you're playing away from home. So you got to take advantage of those first two games of the season. You really want to get out the shoots with a 2-0 start, and then you're rolling the dice after that. Then you're trying to, you know, worry about the games on the road. So, uh, again, when I look at the schedule, I said it as soon as the schedule came out, I said, man, this could be a 4-12 uh, season, and it could stink, or it could be 
anywhere to a, like an eight and eight season. And that was before the draft. You know, once the draft and all free agency kicked through or whatever, then I felt a little bit better about about the the roster and thought, okay, you know what, this team saying four four wins is probably underestimating them. I would think that they really get nowhere less than six. They should should get nowhere less than six. Obviously, anything could happen. Injuries, who knows? But I'm, I'm thinking right now in, in June again, June 18th is where we're recording this. I'm thinking that six wins probably is the minimum that they should get. But I don't know, man. Six wins minimum and probably eight, maybe nine if they squeak out a game or two, that they get maximum. But I would say anywhere from six wins to eight wins is probably realistic. Well, I, I'm going to try to be optimistically realistic. Um, they are at least a two, maybe three-win team better than what they were last year. Just off talent on the roster alone. This is not taking into consideration the, the the amount of road games they have to play in back to back to back to buy to back to back weeks. Um, it has nothing to do with uh, who they're playing, but seven wins is realistic to me with a maximum of nine. Um, I think they sweep Denver. And I think they get the Chargers once. And I can see them getting the Chiefs once. That's four wins right there. Now they got to scrape up five more to get to nine. Right. And, you know, not having the schedule. Hold on, I'll put the schedule in front of me right now, as a matter of fact. I'm going to go, if I'm going to look at the schedule, thanks to the new Raider app. I think they beat the Broncos. Chiefs, I think it's 50-50. I think they beat the Vikings. I think the Colts in Minnesota. You think they beat Minnesota in Minnesota? Yes, I do because the Vikings, to me, the Raiders match up well against them. The Raiders have corners. The Vikings have two receivers. The Raiders have weapons on the outside. I think the outside of Rhodes, uh, Wayans isn't the lockdown corner. Some think I and I don't think they have anybody that can handle Antonio Brown because the Vikings don't have anybody that can handle Devontae Adams. And we're talking about two of the elite receivers in the NFL. So with that being said, I think the Raiders and the Vikings, I think the Raiders can beat the Vikings because the Vikings aren't special at home. Okay. And they have, and let's be real. They have kicking issues. Yeah. Their kicker misses a lot of field goals. Okay. Well, yeah, Uh, they got, I mean, they got Dan Bailey now. They, they don't have Carlson. Remember Carlson is actually a member of the Raiders now, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't. He kicked fine for the Raiders. Yeah, no, he, he he was he was great for the Raiders. I mean, he was he was a great find. Uh, Dan Bailey obviously is not the Cowboy Dan Bailey, but he's still Dan Bailey. I, I think that's going to be one of those split games, especially since it's the first one on the road. We'll have to see uh, the challenge that they take on the road if they can handle it. That's that's why I'm a little skeptical, just because it's the first one on the road. Well, here's my thing when it comes to Vikings kickers: Gary Anderson didn't miss a field goal all year. Chip shot field goal against Atlanta to go to the Super Bowl. Choke. Vikings in the playoffs a few years later against minute uh was it Seattle uh, Washington Redskins. Oh, Seattle. Yeah. yeah, Seattle. Choke, choke, choke. Vikings don't have good luck with kickers no matter who it is. They could have Jan Stinnerud himself there, and he's still gonna choke. So laces out, Vikings fans. Uh plus I hate Minnesota, so that one is personal. There you go. They okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, 
<laughs> the Colts, I think, I think that that's again the Colts to win. I think the Colts are just a better team, um, and it's in Indy. The Bears in London. That's a game in London. But here's the thing: I'm not a believer in Trubisky, and the NFL has a year now of really looking at and dissecting the Bears' offense for the first time. I think the Bears are going to take a huge step back. I think losing Fangio was huge. I like the Raiders in London, believe it or not. Um, I don't think they beat Green Bay. I actually think the Houston game, which you'll probably be at, I assume, was going to be a coin flip. I'll be there. Uh, I think they beat the Lions. The Chargers. Again, I think that's 50-50. It's at home. I'll give them them a dub. That's at home. Okay, and it's the uh, was it a Thursday night game yep, too? At Thursday that. night, yep. Um, then they get then they get their mini buy. Then they stay at home and they have the Bengals. They should beat the Bengals. Yep. I'll go on record as they should beat the Jets. Yep. I think it's fifty fifty with the Chiefs. Yeah, in Kansas be, City week thirteen depending yeah. on the weather. December first, Derek Carr doesn't play that well in the in the cold. So we'll see about that. Then they come home and they have the Titans, and. Are you a believer in the Titans? Uh, no, not yet, not yet. Uh, they they okay. have a, they have a lot to prove still. Okay, and I, and Mariota's got to stay healthy, so I'll take the Raiders over the Titans. There, they get the Jags in what is going to be the last home game in Oakland, and because of that, even though I think the Jags are a better team, even though I'm not sure about Foles and quarterbacks of them, defensively the Jags are ridiculous. I'll take the Raiders in a final home game in Oakland, just like they magically beat Denver last year. Yeah, hey, man, they're not losing that last game. There ain't, there ain't no magic about it. They ain't losing that last game in Oakland. Every time they've had their almost last game, if you remember a, a, a couple seasons ago when everyone thought it was the last game against the Chargers when it was Charles Woodson's last game, that was a Thursday night. Yep. That was a win. I mean, against Denver on Monday night, that was a win. This one's going to be a win. Oh, by the way, I'll be at it too. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a win. That may be one I go to as well. And I was going to piss off a lot of the stay in Oakland people, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, the Raiders and Chargers in L.A., again, that's a coin flip. And then I like the Raiders the last game of the year against Denver. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I got them with a high of nine wins if all goes well. Okay. Well, so, I was I was close then. I said about I said six and ten and eight and eight. Uh, yeah, that's that's about right. It's it's about where I think we're all in the same ballpark. I think we're anywhere from six and eight to to nine and seven. Yeah, I don't know about Mel Kuyper's uh, ten win and winning the division, uh, but you know what? Stranger things have happened. No doubt. No doubt about it. <laughs> so, Q, that's it for this week, brother. We got another quick show. Uh, just about an hour long. We want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, I implore you, if you haven't already, check out Spitting Silver and Black with Anaya and Kaylin on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Uh, Kaylin has his exclusive interview with Josh Jacobs on there, which he caught him at the uh, Las Vegas Aviators' uh, new ballpark, where the Raiders actually played the Golden Knights, the NHL team in Las Vegas, for charity, where over $135,000 was raised uh, for charity over the weekend. And then uh, Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter 
They had a really good debate on Hard Knocks, but Nick actually uh, had a really good sound clip of Philip Rivers on Silver and Black Turf this past week that was downloaded a couple days ago. So go ahead and check that out as well. And then obviously, uh, we want to welcome Evan Grote to the Silver and Black Pride podcast family with Just Pod Baby. Evan's got a really cool show if you guys haven't listened already. Uh, really excited to have Evan work with us and be a part of the family. Um, he's got a lot, a lot of good things lined up for you guys. Really excited about what he brings to the, to the network. And then obviously you're listening to Q&A. We appreciate you guys listening to us. So we really thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You guys have helped us grow so much since we've come up, we've come aboard and, and really started putting our, our ten toes down into this, this podcast network. So uh, Q, man, I appreciate your time, brother, getting you out of here early so you can go home and, not watch regular TV, but maybe watch some sports. Oh yeah, hey man, that's you know I'm doing. Hey, I'm in the studio right now at the radio station. Let's pull the curtain back a little bit. I'm watching a baseball game on TV at the same time, so I can keep up with the score. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. Oh, uh, did you see the? Did you watch the College World Series at all? Yes, watch it during my radio show. Man, I love the College World Series. Like I, I think it's one of the best things ever. I love the softball World Series as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just can't watch regular season college baseball games. It is so monotonous. Well, who you got? Who you got winning the college world series? I don't even know. I, I don't. I don't even care. Uh, I just want to see good baseball, and that's what you get from the college world series. And uh, obviously, being in, in, in Central Texas, I'm I'm looking at at the Texas team so I could talk about them. And Texas Tech stayed alive the other night uh, after knocking off Arkansas. That was a good game. Uh, I feel bad for Auburn for the way that they lost the other day. I think they lost earlier today as well, too. I think they took uh, two L's now, and I think they're out. But Auburn had a chance yep. to win the other day. And uh, the third baseman, and hell, you were a baseball player, so you know. Third baseman, all he had to do was uh, tag, tag the runner when he was crossing his face, and he didn't, and then he triple hopped and then threw the ball to first base and just airmailed it. And well, then uh, Mississippi state ended up going on to win in that game. You know, in baseball, you can't give someone an extra out. That's what you cannot do in baseball. You cannot give a team an extra out. If you do, they're going to, they're going to capitalize every time. And that's exactly what Mississippi state did. And that's why Auburn's out. And that's what uh, happened to tech the other day against, uh, I forget who they put. Oh, Michigan. And uh, they had to come back out of the loser bracket. So they're still playing, but yeah, man, it's, it's college baseball. The world series is a lot of fun. I haven't seen the scores today, but the team that I was really pulling for was Florida State because this is their manager's final season Yeah, as skipper of the school. He's the all-time winningest baseball coach in college baseball history, and he has zero World, zero World Series wins. Like He hasn't yet to win a World Series. So I'm low-key pulling for them, and he's a guy that coached Deion Sanders. Uh, I mean, you name the, you know, J.D. Drew, Bryce Drew. I mean, some of the guys that were high picks and some of the most famous baseball players in the world, uh, and he has yet to win a College World Series and then into his final season. I think it's 33 years, I believe, something yeah. like that. So he's, I'm really, I'm really hoping. He's a hell of a coach. Yeah, I'm really hoping they can pull it up. Yeah, he's yeah, a, he's, he he's a hell of a coach. They, Florida State plays on Wednesday, and uh, Auburn and Louisville actually. Louisville is up four to one. The game got suspended because of rain, and Mississippi State and Vanderbilt never got to play because of rain today too. So. Yeah, Wednesday's going to be a locked and loaded day of, of a lot of college baseball as long as the weather permits. Well, I would probably watch some, but because it is Jaleesa's birthday, her <laughs> birthday is on Juneteenth, so uh, happy birthday, Jaleesa, nice. when you listen to this, because she will listen to this. Um, she's going to be 21 again. And um, so I don't know if I'm going to be watching a lot of baseball, even though Jaleesa is the type of chick. I got a, I got a good woman, man. 
she's the type of chick that will cuddle up with you in the air conditioning because it's hot as hell right now where I'm at. I know it's hot as hell where you are, too. Yep. And let the game play and just sit there and drink a beer with you and, and watch the game. So I got a good one. Like, she's cool. She's good with all that. And then sit there and debate you about <laughs> NBA, NFL, you know, baseball, everything. Like, it's crazy. So uh, happy birthday, baby. I love you. I'm, I'm very blessed to have you in my life. So, uh, yeah, I got a cupcake a little bit, fellas. We all have to do it for our significant others. Don't act like you don't do it either. It's a little more publicly right here. So, <laughs> uh, that being said, <laughs> that being said, on behalf of your boy Q, I'm Joe Rigo. This is Q&A. You're listening to the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network powered by SB Nation. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.